The premise of my show is simple. Each week I share a story of someone who overcomes circumstances to either reclaim or chase their dreams, and in doing so, they change their world and ours for the better. If you're a regular listener, you know that my guest list is a collector. One week you could be listening to Time's First Hero of the Planet, a Nobel Peace Prize nominee, a gold medalist, a Grammy Award winner, a change maker, a small business owner, an advocate for mental health, and other times it might be somebody you've never heard of. But in almost every case and every week, I hope the show inspires you. And I hope within the context of the show, you walk away with some great life lessons. Lessons you might apply to help you or others get to where they need, want, and deserve to go. My guest today is a perfect example. As a teenager, this young Canadian, Yuri Elgin, had his sights set on a professional soccer career in Europe. He had the mental fortitude, the athletic ability, and the desire. Until his health started failing. He had chronic fatigue, a body that hurt, and over a period of six weeks at the age of 17, he lost all his hair. Yuri's story isn't about coming to terms with the cards he was dealt. He spent seven painful years trying to find out answers. And then he met someone that changed what he put in his body. And in doing so, he changed his life from unhealthy to healthy. I played pro soccer. I went to one of the top schools in the world for kinesiology, and I still didn't know this stuff. There must be billions of people who have no clue about this. And I just, I just became pissed off and inspired to want to share with as many people as possible. This is Chatter That Matters with Tony Chapman, presented by RBC. He also shifted his focus from soccer fields to the field of business. At a young age, Yuri's built two seven-figure businesses, and he's appeared on shows like Dr. Oz and on stages worldwide. Yuri's a great story of overcoming circumstances, of finding purpose and pursuit in doing so. And after listening to this show, he might even change how you eat. Yuri Elkheim, welcome to Chatter That Matters. Great. Thanks for having me, Tony. It's nice to be here. Tons of ground to cover, but one of the things that was shared with me is this Canadian kid who had ambitions to play professional soccer as a goalie. And we're not just talking about in a tier league. You're you're aiming for Europe. I was pretty clear from a young age, around 10 years old, I remember I wanted to play pro soccer. I don't even know how that started or what was the, the seed that was planted, but I just knew that that was what I wanted to do. The posters on the wall, I had the Brazilian flag on my wall as well because I love Brazil. And I spent the next 10 years training, sacrificing uh, to make that happen. And, you know, I gave up family trips to stay home to lose a game 10 nothing, And I just loved it. I, I don't even consider it as being a sacrifice. I, I loved every moment, moment of it. As an example, um, at the age of 20, I got a random call out of the blue from a coach that I had worked with on the goalkeeping front uh, for many years. And he's like, hey, uh, the professional team in Toronto needs a backup. And that's kind of how it started. But the reality is that it started way before that because I put myself in situations to even allow those conversations to even happen. So had I not worked with that coach five years prior and then throughout the next couple of years, he would not have even thought of me. He would not have even have known me to even think of making that call in the first place. So I'd like to say that it's, you know, there's luck involved for sure. But I think like any person on their journey will say luck is a, a byproduct of putting in the work and just kind of meeting the right circumstances. So that's kind of how it started. And then I was able to play three years professionally, uh, one of them being in France. And then I just realized, you know what, 
It's not what I want to do. You seem so determined. You're a young guy now. You're saying even at a young age, you had your sights set on it. What was family like? Like, was is this a family that just totally motivated you to do this? Or did they think, like, there must be other things you want to do with your life besides just play soccer? Well, my parents divorced when I was pretty young, like 10, I think. So I went through that. Uh, my mom was super supportive all the way through. Obviously, I lived with her. My dad, I saw, you know, every other weekend or so. You know, if I were giving kudos to where kudos is due, my mom was massively supportive uh, the whole step of the way she made financial commitments and sacrifices and there was never a hesitation she was like no like it was always like if you want to do this i believe in you we can make it happen you can make it happen and that was that was massive like so there was never a, a moment where it was like oh you should become a lawyer instead this is not going to get anywhere there's no i don't even think there was ever a conversation part of it i think was i was just so hell-bent on making it happen like i'm like it's going to happen it's not if it's like only a matter of when one of the things that got in your way was your health. You're young, dynamic, athletic. Obviously, you've got personality. You got must have great swagger walking around that high school, but you were hiding a lot inside, which was a body that, and a health that was starting to fail you. Yeah. So when I was almost 17 years old, I lost all of my hair to an autoimmune condition. And at the time I had, so my dad's Moroccan, so I had bushy eyebrows, long brown hair, lots of body hair. And in the space of six weeks, I went from that to kind of what you see here and at the time, it was weird because I had these bald patches showing up on my head. So there's like hair and then like a bald patch. It looked a little bit weird. And then I just shaved everything and it, it didn't really grow back. That was an awkward couple of weeks where you know, you're walking through the halls and all of a sudden it's like people are looking at you like you're a cancer patient. To be honest, I, I feel that I handled it pretty well, pretty maturely. Like I don't remember back to that time and being crippled by, you know, fear or what people thought of me. I mean, there's there's certainly an aspect of that, but I think I had a pretty good head on my shoulders to recognize that it was only hair and people suffer from much worse. So that allowed me to get through that. And I also had a, you know, a close group of friends who, you know, helped me realize like, guys, like it's, it's the same Yuri, we still love you, who cares, you know? That was the inflection point that really put me on this journey of, why did this happen? But I also read, though, I mean, your body was hurting. Physically, we could see something was going on. But internally, the way you describe life after soccer practice or it's just chronic fatigue and such. I mean, did you at that age, we think mortality is forever. But did you start questioning whether there's something really serious going on inside? Or is it more, you know, I practice so hard. I, I just live life getting 28 hours out of a 24 hour day. I'm tired. Pretty much the latter. Like I, I didn't think that. So I was sleeping half my days. So 12 hours a day I was sleeping. And I thought, oh, like, yeah, like, you know, most athletes sleep a lot. They have to recover. They have to repair. I'm like, oh, I think it's, it's just the way it is. I didn't really clue into the fact that that might be true to an extent, but it's also not normal to fall asleep in the library after school all the time or fall asleep after lunch or all that kind of stuff. And so eventually, like, as I started to dive into health studies several years later, I started piecing the puzzle together. Just, to, I was just like, really, like, for me, low energy, like, just this endless fatigue was a warning sign that something far more serious was brewing inside my body. So I was like, well, if I, if I fix the energy piece, then maybe everything else will kind of resolve itself, which eventually it did. Um, but that took me like eight years, nine years to figure that out. So give us a short sort of highlight reel of this. Eight years, because, you know, when that something like that happens, we tend to kind of surrender our trust to the sense of what is called a healthcare system. Yeah, of course. Like it was, you know, one doctor to another, 
we can inject uh, cortisone into your head. I'm like, no, that's okay. Chinese medicine, naturopathic doctors, dermatologists, everything. And, and nothing really stuck. Like we, it was like throwing a bunch of darts at the wall. Uh, so during that time, I enrolled at the University of Toronto, did uh, my degree in kinesiology and health sciences, and still had no clue that my diet was a factor here. So I would eat like garbage for the most part through <laughs> my early 20s. Only when I had come back from playing soccer in Europe did I enroll in a nutrition school, a holistic nutrition school. And that's when everything started coming together for me. I was like, holy cow. Like, on my, I remember my first day, I was just floored. I, was, I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And this is some basic stuff that I thought most people would have been taught. I had never learned any of this stuff at four years of one of the top schools in the world. And I thought to myself, geez, like, what else don't I know? So every single day after that, it was just one thing opening up after another. And I started applying what I was learning in nutrition school and literally within a couple of months, re all of my hair. Fast forward, you know, seven years later, I was taking my oldest son at the time, it was one, to the doctor. And while I was there, she's like, you should get a tetanus booster. Uh, didn't even question it. I did. And then my hair fell out again two weeks later. So whatever. I realized that my body was just a toxic wasteland. And then if I didn't clean that up, nothing else would have flourished as it did. I got to share this with a lot of people. Do you ever feel like maybe everything that happened to you at that young age, you were kind of dealt that so that you would go on to this calling or mission saying, you know, I, I took eight years of just uncertainty and insecurity and confusion and even taking steps back with shots I shouldn't put in my body. I now know what I'm on the planet for. A million percent. Yeah. Like there's no regret. There's no like, why did this happen to me? It happened for me. Like, I, I don't know what the alternate reality would have been had none of this stuff happened. I'm just grateful that it did because I think it gave me a tremendous amount of perspective and the desire to want to help a lot of people. Like I fundamentally am on this planet to grow and contribute and, and make a difference in people's lives. You're listening to Chatter That Matters with Tony Chapman, presented by RBC. It's an amazing journey to go on as an entrepreneur compared to like a corporate job because you're forced to deal with these demons, yeah. right? You're forced to deal with like, oh my God, what if people say no? Am I good enough? Should I be doing this? What if this doesn't work out? All of these different self-doubts and anxieties and all this kind of stuff. You have to grow through that because your business will only grow to the extent that you do. My guest today is Yuri Elke. His new business, Healthpreneur, has helped health practitioners practice their craft and generate over $217 million in revenue. So let's talk about your first business and then which I, you grow and you're going to sell. And I want to get into some of the business side of it. And then we're going to talk about what you're doing today. But how did you decide that you could not only share what you've learned, but do it with legitimacy, authenticity? Because a lot of people in that world, you question how legitimate what they're offering you. You know, they might have this five pills that are going to change everything. You went at it a very different way. So talk to us about how you decided that I've changed, therefore you can. So I spent seven years working as a trainer and nutritionist, one-on-one -on -one with clients. And after doing that for seven years and 12 to 14 hours a day, I was just burnt out. There was many moments of frustration to be like, I can't keep doing this. This is, it's not sustainable. I don't enjoy this. I love working with my clients, but it just, it was just draining me. And at the time I was working with a coach and he's like, well, why don't you set up a website or something? Like there's this, this internet thing is coming up and this is back in 2005. 
And so I was like, I don't even know what that looks like, but yeah, sure. Why not? We'll put up a website and then hope for the best. I had no idea what I was doing. So I, I moved from like in-person trainer nutritionist to starting a website. And then I'm like, well, what am I going to sell online? I don't even know. A client of mine, we're working out one day. He said, why don't you put your voice on tape? And I was like, that's, that's a very interesting idea. So you mean like me record my voice so you can listen to me on your headphones while you're working out? He's like, yeah. I'm like, that's actually pretty brilliant. And we were one of the first companies to do that when the iPod had just come out. So that was my first digital program. The challenge is that I had no idea how to market it and get the word out. So I struggled for many years learning business and marketing and messaging and how to package things that people actually would want. And so I went from my first, you know, three, three and a half years online with poverty line income. I was cutting back all of my in-person clients so I could focus on building this dream that I had of living the laptop lifestyle create some products online, sit back, passive income, didn't happen in the slightest. In that process, the one thing I've always had is a a healthy dose of self-confidence. And that started even when I was playing soccer. When I was playing soccer, even as a teenager, I remember watching guys on TV at the pro level, and I'm thinking I'm better than them. And I've always had that in everything that I've done. So when I started this kind of this path online, although I was struggling, I still knew that I would figure it out. I still knew that number one, I was an amazing trainer and really, really good technically at helping people improve their health, losing weight, having more energy. And I just had to figure out how to make the transition to now doing this online. It was a new skill set, right? I had to become more of a business owner, not just, you know, a coach or a trainer. So that, that self belief was a really big fuel to help drive me forward that I don't think, uh, I mean, I see it happen all the time. A lot of people just stop too early because they don't have the drive, the confidence, the self-belief, and they just give up and do something that's easier. Do you think that in the early days with your motivation so set on laptop luxury and, you know, passive income versus intellectually and emotionally, the sense of what I could learn and do. Do you think that maybe your priorities shifted? Because as a personal trainer, from what I understand, you were the best of the best. You were completely vested in the client. Do you think that that might have been some of the barriers in the early days? Potentially. I think a lot of it initially was I was sick and tired of dealing with people. So let me create products so I don't have to deal with people and then let those products serve the people. So I thought it was kind of like the easy way out. But as I dove down the rabbit hole of building this business, I started to really enjoy the growth that was coming from it because I saw the payoff of like, okay, if I learn this and I apply it, I'm getting better and I'm getting better results. It took me seven years to make my first million, which in retrospect is a very long time, but I didn't really have any direction or whatever. I think later on, I'd say especially since Healthpreneur started, it's, it really hasn't been about the outcomes, like the money, whatever. Like those are just like KPIs, but I fundamentally love the game of business. Like I work more now than I did way back in the day, but I do stuff that, that brings me a lot of joy. I love building teams. I love helping people grow. But, you know, 18 years ago, I wasn't focused on that stuff. It was like, okay, let me understand about how to become better at email marketing. How do I become a better copywriter so I can get my message in front of more people? And I started to just dive into that skill and eventually start to dissociate that practice from the from the actual payoff. And I think over time, I started becoming a lot more aware of the fact that 
I would do this even if I didn't get paid for it because I really enjoyed it. We have a lot of small business uh, owners and listeners and people that aspire to be entrepreneurs that are that are part of the uh, this community. And what was the tipping point where you went home one night and said, you know what, this is going to be all right? At the end of twenty nine, the twenty sorry two thousand nine, I sat down at Starbucks just doing our year in review, and that was when I just really had a heart to heart with myself, and I said, dude, you're not as smart as you think you are. You need to get help. And you need to do something different. And so what I committed to the following year was I said, okay, well, what am I not doing? Well, I'm not going to any live events and I'm not connecting with anyone in person. Maybe I should start doing that because everything was behind my laptop. I don't want to deal with people. And I said, that's not working. So the next quarter, so the start of 2010, I went to three live events. And at that event, I met my first coach who I literally just walked up to after he came off stage. And I said, I want you to coach me. So those initial decisions for for perspective were way out of my budget. I didn't have a budget. I was like, I just need to throw it on my visa and get there. I need to buy, I need to hire this coach. He's more money than I made last year. But if I don't do this, nothing's going to change. I've always been like, I achieve one thing and right away I'm on to the next thing. That's just the way my brain is. So I've never really taken the time to be like, I'm good because I'm never good. Like I'm, I'm, I'm grateful and I appreciate what I have, but I'm never satisfied. For me, it's not about more in in the sense of greedy, it's ambition. And so I feel very fulfilled in my life. And part of that is because I'm not quite the best version of myself, which I will never be until I die. It's like that pursuit of just getting better is what keeps driving me. But I think along the way, moments where I could take family trips several times a year, where I could travel business class, where I could, you know, do things like that. Those were moments where I'm like, I'm blessed. Like a lot of stuff has obviously gone wrong and I made a lot of mistakes, but in the grand scheme of things, from that perspective, you know, I've made the right decision because I've made it work. How do you balance as an entrepreneur? Uh, because I was an entrepreneur my entire life. I love being an entrepreneur. I, I mean, I love being on a new tightrope, figuring out things. And it was sometimes hard to compartmentalize and come down to a different pace to be a dad, a husband, a friend, because it was two different worlds. I mean, one's a pinball game where I'm, I've got my hands on the flippers. And as you said, you're left a big event. You're thinking about the next move. And at the other time, there's people that want you as a human being that's just very focused on the moment, the present. How did you find a way to navigate those two? I mean, you'll see my kids walk. They just came in the door. I mean, I work from home. So I think it's a blessing and a curse because it's it's very accessible to jump on the computer at any time of day. So typically I finish my day at about this time. My kids are home. We hang out, play soccer, whatever. And that's always been a very big priority for me because I remember when I was working 12, 14 hours a day in person, my, my vision was I don't want to recreate what happened with my parents, right? I want to be with my kids. I want to be present with them, et cetera. I'm also very aware that I'm a better part-time dad. What I mean by that is I'm married. I live at home. I'm with my kids. But if I were with them 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I don't think I would be as good a human because I do need to fill up my cup and do my work and then have several hours with them on a daily basis. Part of what's helped me is I think I've done a very good job and disconnecting from my phone specifically. I don't typically go back in my office and do work like when the kids are at home, but I think where a lot of people get distracted or they're not as present with their kids is their phone. And it's helpful to have a good team of other people working with me that can take care of stuff where 
I don't have to be involved in the business every second of the day. So I think part of it is just being very mindful of like what my priorities are. And then number two is like, okay, if that's a priority, then why am I doing this thing that goes against this priority and catching myself and saying, is my phone really more important than my son here? Like, no, let's just put this away and be more present. It's Tony Chapman. We come back. We'll talk about Yuri's new business, Healthpreneur, and he hopes to help a billion people on this planet. Hi, this is Tony Chapman, host of Chatter That Matters. RBC and Rexall have teamed up to make your journey to better health and wellness easier, simpler, and more rewarding. Simply link your eligible RBC cards to Rexall's Be Well program to get rewarded. To learn how, visit rbc.com slash Rexall. Your health and wellness matters to RBC. Get out from the computer, get out from your office and start getting into groups or getting into events where you can mingle and be surrounded by other people who are much further ahead than you are. And that's so, so important. And hopefully this message is resonating with you. You're listening to Chatter That Matters with Tony Chapman, presented by RBC. Joining me now is Yuri Elkame. His passion is health. His calling is to teach us how to eat and exercise and be. And what he loves more than anything else is helping others build their business. 17 years you build this business. It's doing incredibly well. And you decide that you're going to sell it. I'm curious as to why. So it was just very complicated. I was very frustrated. There was just way too much stuff going on for what we were doing. I thought that more was better. And it took me a long time to recognize that less is more and that simplicity scales and complexity fails. So for me, it wasn't so much of let's build it up to whatever this valuation and sell it. It's just like, I want out of this business as soon as possible. Who can take it over uh, and just still run it without it you know, falling to the ashes? And that was part of it. And, and during that time, I had other health professionals start coming to me for business advice. And I was thinking about, well, what's next? Like I've been doing this for 13, 14 years. A lot of people are asking for business advice. Maybe I could do that. I could help health professionals build their businesses. And I kind of figured some stuff out for myself. I think there's an opportunity here. So that's, it, it was the combination of like, I, very much like when I came from the offline world to online out of frustration, I decided to exit my business out of like, I just don't get a lot of joy out of doing this anymore. I had said everything I could possibly say about health and nutrition. And I was just like, I'm done. I'm, I'm on to the next chapter. I didn't know exactly what healthpreneur was going to look like, but I knew that I couldn't keep doing what I was doing previously. And so that's why I decided to sell it. What advice can you give to people in terms of knowing when it's time to make that change? You know, in one case, you're a very successful trainer, you're burnt out, but you're making probably over-indexing compared to other trainers in the city. And in this case, you've got a business that's doing really good, but both times it says it's not right for me. I love the analogy, the duck paddling, you know, duck in the water and paddling frantically. How do you know when that's the time? I think there's two ways of approaching this. Number one is you can take the, the quantitative approach, which is, okay, when your income from here measures up to here, then you can transition or whatever. For me, it's very simple. Like, is this bringing me joy or is it robbing me? The other thing is, you know, we help a lot of health practitioners transitioning from their brick and mortar to online. And so they're in that, that same limbo that I was way back. And they say, well, how do you know when it's time? And I'm like, well, number one, it's, you know, we, we look at the revenue and making sure it makes sense. But also on a day-to-day basis, ask yourself, is this decision supporting the bigger vision or is this supporting the business I was building yesterday? 
So like if you're looking for me, if I was looking to transition online, would I take on more in-person clients or would I make that sacrifice in order to build the dream that I was looking to build? And for me, it's always do whatever's going to support the bigger vision, because although you may not get the payoff tomorrow, you can't get to tomorrow, whenever that is, if you don't start taking action on it today. And it's, it's scary, right? Like everyone thinks that keep doing what you're doing is, is the safer route. But for me, it's the riskier route because there's nothing more risky than living a life that you despise or working in a business or a company that you hate. I would rather take the risk of building my dream than living in the certainty of today. And not everyone is okay with that. A lot of people, a lot of humans value certainty more than anything. And I think it destroys their lives because they're not able to embrace the reality that life is uncertain. The difference between confidence and courage is confidence feels good. Courage doesn't. Everyone wants to feel confidence, but no one's willing to have the courage to step across the bridge in the first place. So you can't build the sense of certainty without actually making a commitment and doing something towards the thing you want to do. Yet the very fact that they want certainty stops them from moving forward in the first place. Do you think that that philosophy is something we could paint across most Canadians? That as a country, we're happy with some element of certainty. We don't necessarily have the courage to pursue what this country is possible. Yeah, I think it's actually the biggest issue in the modern world is, is living, a life, a living a life of okay. It's very, very hard to trade comfort once you've achieved it. And I remember when I was 17, I was in Brazil for a couple of weeks uh, with Sao Paulo, the, one of the football clubs, soccer clubs down there. And I remember being on a, a bus to practice one day with these guys who are on the verge of playing pro. And they, I remember them telling me, they're like, it's soccer or the slums. It's, it's this or this. Here, well, if this doesn't work out, I can fall back on this. And life's not too bad, so I could get this. And I could go live back with my parents or whatever it is. We have too many options here. And even when we're doing okay, we have a roof over our head, we have food on the table, and it's very, very disillusioning to live a life of comfort because we have our basic needs met. And most people, and I say most, I mean like even entrepreneurs, most people are willing to stay there then do what's needed to get to the next level, even though everything they say they want is at that next level. So I don't know if it's a Canadian thing or if it's just a Western world thing, but risk aversion, I think, holds a lot of people back. And I'm not saying, you know, take ridiculous risks. I'm like, take calculated risks. Bet on yourself. That's the best investment you can ever make. You'll never lose the skills you develop, the mindset, et cetera, but we can never get to the next level if we're not willing to bet on ourselves. And we're always looking for other people or other programs like this has to work out. I need to see the proof. You're the proof, right? You're the guarantee. How you show up or not show up is what's going to determine your results. And sadly, most people are looking for certainty outside of themselves. And as a result of that, they're never going to get it. And they're not going to get where they want to go because they're always looking for certainty and guarantees outside of how they show up. And that's just not how the world works. So Yuri, talk to me about Healthpreneur. I mean, I, your mission statement, which I thought was so bold and audacious and beautiful, is you want to help a billion people on this planet. 
So I'm talking to a guy out of his room, living room, kids behind, the afternoon playing soccer. And the interesting thing is it's you're making it happen. So tell us a little bit about how that's working out. So with my previous business, which was to the consumer on the health, wellness, fitness side, I got to a point where I said, okay, we helped half a million customers. I was like, that's pretty cool. But what if I could help other coaches and other practitioners themselves do what I did? Then that would be a massive multiplier. And I don't know, like, I don't know why the number one billion, to be honest, maybe it's just an ego thing or I don't know, but I've always wanted to help a lot of people. I don't know exactly how we're going to get there because I think the world changes, technology changes so rapidly that if I were to say, here's what we're going to do in 10 years, it's going to be obsolete in three. All I know is that as long as we take the steps to move in the right direction and do work that is meaningful and help people along the way, eventually we'll get there. So part of that mission is twofold. Number one is we want to build a world in which every man, woman, and child is able to do work that fundamentally fulfills them, but also lives a life of abundance financially and from a health perspective. Although Healthpreneur now helps health practitioners and coaches build their businesses online, it's all rooted in the sense of if we can help you do a better job at that, you help more people improve their health. Those people live better quality lives. They're better examples for their family. And the whole thing just spreads uh, in, in a nice ripple effect. And so that's really the premise. That's the mission of Healthpreneur is that we want to be able to help health professionals just share their magic. They have just such incredible knowledge and expertise to help so many people. The only problem is that no one knows who they are outside of their, their small circle. And if we can help them bridge the gap, that's a win-win for everyone. One of my mantras has always been, I was in the advertising world for 30 years, head, heart, and hands, that, that I get it, I'm excited about it, and I act upon it. The way I, I look at your world, it probably started Healthpreneur very head. I'm going to teach you how to build your business. But the more I listen to you on in videos and stuff, it's really a lot's now roaring through your heart. I mean, you're becoming more of a, I think, a coach again. In many ways, you're, you're a spiritual leader to these people that you're making them believe that what they love to do, helping others, they can do it more efficiently. They can do it to a wider audience. That has to be incredibly rewarding for you. I tell my clients and my team, the most rewarding thing for me is not the business growth, but it's the personal growth that I see our clients go through. And this is something that a lot of people don't think about on the front end. They're like, I just want to make more money. I'm like, cool. But What's really exciting is seeing how they grow through that process of the mindset of like who they were at the start, who they've become. And again, this is not the end of their life, right? Like it's, but it's just very important for, for anyone to, to recognize like your business grows in direct proportion to your growth. So the more you grow as a person, the more you're able to take on, the more challenges you're able to overcome, the more grace you have in dealing with tough situations. And as a result of that, you're, you're able to make better decisions over time in your business. You're listening to Chatter That Matters with Tony Chapman, presented by RBC. My guest today is Yuri Elkame. Healthpreneur, his vision is to help clients create better businesses that can impact more people and transform the health and lives of 1 billion people on the planet. 2005, when you're kind of moving online, this thing called the internet, and obviously it's changed so much, you know, in those 18 years, you've also a best-selling author, you know, you've been on television shows like Dr. Oz, you've been on different stages. What advice can you give to the listeners when they have something of such heart 
what is the channels that work best in terms of delivering on your, your business objectives, but at the same time on your emotional needs to help others? Yeah. So first thing I'll share from personal experience is recognizing the difference between significance and impact. If I'm being very honest with you, my first book became a number two New York Times bestseller. And if I were being very honest, I would say that was a significance play. I wanted to hit number one on the New York Times list so I could have that badge of honor. Secondarily, I knew it was going to help a lot of people. Did that open up every door possible? Is it like the world's best, you know, path to go down? Never. I would never recommend anyone write a best or even attempt to write a best-selling book early on in their business. I wrote that book nine years after I started my business and I had built a fairly large following. So number one, you have to understand, like, and this is going to sound very quantitative, but you have to build your income before your influence. Although the more influence, the more influence you have, the more income you'll be able to build. So a lot of people nowadays, they spend a lot of their time building their following and et cetera. They play this game on social media, trying to get followers and likes because they think that's what it takes to build a great business. In reality, it's nice, but that's not going to do anything for you if you can't monetize that. So my approach, our whole approach with our clients is let's figure out what is the best vehicle to help you help someone who's going to pay you money. When they pay you money, they show up and do the work. When they do the work, they get great results. When they get great results, that looks great on you as a expert coach, etc. And that allows you to feed that back into your marketing with more proof that you're good at what you do and more people believe that. Therefore, every subsequent sale becomes a lot easier. So the whole focus with us is uh, it's a business model. We call it perfect client pipeline. We basically leverage paid traffic because unfortunately, every social platform is a pay to play platform, which means you post something on Instagram. No one sees it. That's just the way it is. So Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, want you to put money behind the stuff you put out there so more people can see it. Now, if you just happen to do that in such a way where you could give $100 to Instagram or Facebook, and in return, they give you dozens of leads and a potential client, we'll do that forever. So our goal is to help our clients build their revenue in the service of others. And then down the road, if they want to start to build their brand and their influence, once they have that foundation and those systems working for them, then by all means. When we started Healthpreneur, I had nothing, like no Instagram, no email list initially, no YouTube, no podcast. We did nothing other than that one business model. And we didn't do anything for three years except for that thing. Now we have a YouTube channel that is a very slow growth platform. And I understand that. And I was just talking about this with my team this morning. Like we're finally starting to see a little bit of traction, but I'm like, guys, this is a 10 year play. I don't care if it goes anywhere in the next couple of years, because I know we're doing amazing work. I know the content we're putting out is awesome. I see the comments. It will take off. But the funny thing is that it doesn't need to take off for our business to do well. So I think where a lot of entrepreneurs go sideways, they just go literally sideways because they're like, oh, I got to be on Instagram. I got to do TikTok. I got to do this. I got to do that. And they think they have to be everywhere all the time because that's what they see the, like the high level, you know, experts and gurus doing. And it's true. It's helpful. But you have to remember not to compare your chapter one to someone's chapter 20. So what's next? Are you going to get to the point where you got to two or three other times in your life where you're going, I've kind of got to the point where maybe I, it's going so well, I'm not scared. I need a new type road. I needed something new to figure out. Or you think this is going to be your calling for decades to come? Yeah, actually, a friend asked me about this a couple of days ago. He's like, 
are you planning on selling? I'm like, no. Although we're building the business as if we could sell it. And if that were the case, why would I want to leave a business that was cash flow positive, helping a lot of people, allow me to do work I love? So for now, I have zero intention of wanting to do anything other than what I'm doing now. But I also know that I will evolve and I am evolving. And I think the nature of what I share content-wise will definitely evolve in, in the next decade. Um, but I also think that I've learned a lot over the past five to seven years specifically about my patterns and recognizing where there's similarities of, are we just going to jump ship or are we going to grow through this? And so it's it's kind of catching these tendencies of like, here's default wiring, Yuri, to like just jump on the next thing and create and create and create, where it's like evolves more mature Yuri, understands, take that creativity, channel it down one thing, go deep, take that creativity and further support our existing clients. How do we make what we currently have even better? And take it, so basically instead of going horizontally wide with my creativity, I just basically channel it vertically. I would hope in time that I would I would kind of capture some of those lessons and remind myself as long as I'm enjoying this, as long as I'm adding value, as long as this is filling my cup, just keep doing it, obviously doing it in a better fashion. And I'm never going to stop. Like in some way, shape or form, I will be working and contributing. I just don't know what it looks like in 30 years. I always end my shows with sort of my three takeaways. And the first one I think is just, you've always put yourself in situations. I love that comment. It's funny that you go between how self-confident you were watching those professional players saying I'm better than that, but at the same time, sometimes feeling an imposter syndrome. And I think what I love about that sort of polarity is you're saying, regardless, I'm going to put myself in a situation where things can happen. This whole concept of um, certainty and versus courage and how complacent we get because we have a certain standard of living or we lose our appetite for risk. You know, and as human nature, we survived because we had to go and find that meal that day or find that drink of water. And, and it's a great message and a great lesson in life. And maybe one day there's going to be some politics in there for you as well, because I think you could wake Canadians up from a nonpartisan point of view to realize that there is no certainty. And then I guess the last one is this sense of heart. You know, I think you came in as this competitive soccer player. You wanted to then win in business. You wanted to see the numbers. But the more and more you started talking about businesses as you're going, it's about the individual you're helping. It's about, you know, helping that business turn around. You're at a point in life in your career at such a young age that heart matters, helping people get to where they want to go and then collecting the reward for doing it is more important than just trying to get the reward and really not be that concerned about uh, the impact it's having on people. For So all of that and more, I'm thrilled that somebody presented me with you and I heard of you before, but absolutely delighted. And I can't wait to see what the next 30 or 40 years is like for, uh, for you, Yuri. I fundamentally do care and I fundamentally do want to create a lot of wealth. But I understand that I'm only going to achieve my goals by helping a tremendously large audience of people achieve theirs. And I would never compromise. I would never compromise that. Joining me is someone I've had the pleasure of chatting with in the past. Her name is Andreka Masakati, and she's the Senior Director of Group Insurance at RBC. And we always hear the expression, you know, today, 60 to the new 40, everybody chasing their fountain of youth. Is this something you're seeing with your clients and their employees that people are much more interested in preventative health? There's no doubt about that, but the quality matters, right? And so um, we see that, that clients are wanting to live a, a better quality of life, a healthier life. The challenge is that it's not always uh, straightforward how to do that, nor is that path the same for everybody. 
we know a lot of Canadians are struggling with with health conditions. There's been a recent Benefits Canada survey that gave us a you know a slew of great stats around that. About 60% of plan members uh, were told by their physician that they that they have at least one chronic condition. 40% say they experience chronic pain, and and a large majority of them wanted to improve their their lifestyle factors. Anything from being more physically active, um, losing weight. Um, sleeping better. So the general consensus is yes, that we, that clients um, are wanting to live healthier, better lives. And that's, that's, you know, what we view our role um, in the space as being, you know, a player to help them do that. So what are you doing in the preventative space? So our focus really is to provide well-being support programs that help our plan members. Um, Another priority for us right now is our focus on digital um, and providing digital options that allow our plan members to access resources that, that suit their own, like their own personal preferences. Um, a lot of, you know, we've seen stats too, that a lot of, a lot of plan members are way more open now to accessing um, health supports virtually. And a lot have accessed them and those that have are, are quite happy with the results that they've gotten. So the other key was the, from a chronic disease perspective too, um, that's something that's on our, on our radar and on our um, plan um, to help our plan members address how, how to manage those, um, how to support them in managing chronic conditions, things like diabetes, hypertension, and obesity. So looking to us as a, as a source of support. When you're dealing with people's lives and you know helping them deal with issues or helping them get the results they need, that must be very rewarding. It is very rewarding. That's actually, you know, I think that's one of the things that I love most about this role, whether that's when something has happened to them and it's, it's in an effort to support them. Um, moments that really matter to them or like we've been talking about helping them to live a healthier life and hopefully prevent things like that from happening to them. It, it really is one of the better, better parts of my day. Chatter That Matters has been a presentation of RBC. It's Tony Chapman. Let's chat soon.